Hello and welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. This is the poll list for today's date is August 25th. Um, I have a lot of stuff to get to this week because I took like two weeks off to go to that convention thing in Vegas where I didn't really read anything. Um, So I'm going to try to get through everything that I read. Uh, It's a lot, um, but I may also do a second one later this week. Um, but let's see what we can get through today. Uh, we're going to start with Defenders Number 1, uh, written by Al Ewing, with art by Javier Fernandez. Um, this is a mini-series. I'm not sure what the uh, impetus for this is, but uh, this basically starts with Strange hanging out in the Sanctum. He gets approached by somebody called the Masked, the Masked Raider, uh, who I've never seen before, but he looks like he was one of those uh, Old West heroes and whatever. And he basically tells Strange that somebody's trying to m- muck with the time stream, so Strange does the whole secret defenders thing again and, like, collects a group of heroes. It's like uh, Strange, the Masked Raider, the Silver Surfer, uh, the Red Harpy, who's uh, Betty Ross, um who has gamma powers again, and, um, someone I've never heard of called Cloud, who's apparently a, uh, a sentient nebula that was, uh, or a, a nebula that was made sentient by a cosmic cube, and, uh, that is the team, and at the end of the issue, the team goes to, uh, one of Galactus's world ships, and, has to deal with Galactus' mom, Omnimax. Uh, so, I've never heard of that either. We'll be curious to see uh, where they go with this. Defenders has always been kind of one of those, when it involves, like, Strange and the Surfer or whatever, it's always been one of those books that gets really freaking weird. So, um, I will be interested to see what what the writer has in mind for this one. Um, Next up, we will go to uh, Kang the Conqueror, number one, written by... I actually don't know who that's written by. Uh, Let me find the credits somewhere in here. Uh, Come on, machine. Okay, pardon me. I should have had this set up in advance. Um... At no point are there credits in here. Uh, Let me find somewhere else to get that from. Um, Okay. So I'm just going to have to go. This is a mini-series also, which I think is going to probably streamline Kang's origin to some degree. Uh, Written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Carlos Magno. I've never heard of any of those people. So, um, yeah, basically this is, and some of these reviews will be kind of short because I have a lot to try to get through, and I don't want to bore you folks. So, um... This is basically, 
you start off in some far future point with uh, Nathaniel Richards, who is obviously descended from Reed, um, and he is kind of bored with society at this point because it's so like sterile and and nobody really does anything. Uh, so he goes and he finds like the old library of Victor Von Doom, and he gets attacked by a Doombot. Uh, um, and Kang the Conqueror shows up and fights off the Doombot and whatever, and Kang basically tells this kid, yeah, I'm you, uh, from the future, uh, so, you know, I'm gonna teach you what it takes to be me later, basically, um, and this is fine. There's just a lot of, like, uh, narration boxes in here, and it's just a lot of griping, um, I'm gonna continue to read it just because I, I want to see where the, what the end point is, um, of, like, where is this going to position Kang in the, in the books, uh, going forward, because obviously he's going to, it seems to me like he's going to be a big deal MCU-wise in the next few years, so I think they're trying to, uh, kind of bring this character front and center in the books some uh, to deal with that uh, so passable read not great um, but I'm usually with these mini series I'm inclined to give it more issues before deciding whether it's actually good or not because um, I don't feel like the first issue of a five issue thing is all that is all that fair to judge it by, so, um, next up we will go to, uh, Marauders, which issue number is this, uh, I can't read that, I want to say Marauders 23, um, with, uh, let me get stuff out here. Written by Jerry Duggan with art by Ivan Fiorelli. Um, so this is all about, this gets back to some action a little bit after the Hellfire Gala stuff. Uh, Banshee is in Ireland trying, and he's not a regular cast member of this book, but given how the X books work now, like anybody can show up anywhere, which is kind of cool. Um, so he's in Ireland, where, uh, the Irish Mafia is upset because they paid for, uh, Krakoan plants, and they're not getting them because the, the, uh, with some of the stuff that's going on in the other books, there's kind of a backlog or a hang-up for that. So, uh, basically this is the Marauders fighting the Irish Mafia, and, uh, pretty fun, just more of a straight action thing than uh, some of the book issues have been lately with uh, just a lot of talking about Hellfire Gala stuff and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I did really enjoy this, kind of got back to like the pirate stuff. I mean, it actually was mostly Emma Frost and Kate Pride and uh, that character Tempo, who was introduced in the, in the Bendis run on Uncanny X-Men, who's like can speed up time and slow down time and stuff, 
and uh, maybe they'll make that character a bigger part of this series going forward. Not sure what the plans are there. But, you know, again, with having this kind of thing where anyone can show up anywhere, uh, who knows what they'll do. So, that's fine. Um, next up we have Guardians of the Galaxy 17, written by Al Ewing, with art by Juan Frigeri. Um, and this continues the Last Annihilation thing, which has been going through this and S.W.O.R.D. for the last little bit. Um, most of this is a, like, tactical meeting between all the Guardians and stuff, and this is where... Peter Quill and Doctor Doom figure out that giant ego planet Dormammu is trying to like attack five particular planets because he wants to uh, he wants to um, uh, create like some sort of uh, like a cosmic pentagram between the five planets. They're just where they're positioned, I guess. And, um, so there's a lot of tactical stuff. They're talking about a lot of plans and whatever to try to stop that. And you just get some of the great dynamics between a lot of these team members. And Quill is reluctant to go to Earth, which is one of the five planets, I believe. Um, so he chooses not to do that. And I guess now he has what uh, they regularly call in these book's cosmic awareness where he has like full awareness of like the flow of the universe and shit and that that's apparently telling him that that's not where he should go so that's not what he's doing and this ends with um basically ends with the giant dormammu ego planet head thing growing a body um and uh there's some cool fighting in here uh i do I wonder if this is another one of those things that would have been larger in scale if not for the pandemic. This seems pretty scaled back, and given the normal size of the uh, cosmic stuff they've done the last few years, I'm wondering if this was a concession to uh, whatever publishing realities are with the pandemic and stuff. Um, but it's still pretty solid. I mean, I've generally liked the Guardians books for the last few years. Um, I can't think of any stretch where I wasn't at least entertained by them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, to go back into X-World a little bit, we'll go to Children of the Atom 6, written by Vita Ayala. And I forget who the artist is, but we'll figure that out. Um... Written by Vidya Ayala with art by Paco Medina. Um, so this is... Uh, one of the kids is now a mutant. Had her, like, first power emergence. Uh, not entirely sure what the power even is at this point. But she goes to Krakoa and uh, is, you know, approached by several groups of mutants to, like, hey, you know, this is cool. Come hang out with us and do this. Um, and... Uh, there's a scene with her uh, human parents back in New York. She goes back to New York at one point after the Krakoa stuff. And she's expecting to, you know, she basically outs herself as a mutant to them and, and is expecting the usual, like, 
get out of my house, you're a monster thing that they tend to do a lot. And uh, her parents are just like, hey, uh, nothing wrong with the fact that you're a mutant. I sort of question Xavier's politics some and hope you don't get screwed by that. But uh, it doesn't go where these things usually would. So, um, and then this character decides to uh, not grow, not go to Krakoa full-time and still hang out with the other uh, ex-groupie kids. Um, and maybe, because one of them is a mutant now, maybe they'll actually sort of be accepted by the X-Men, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, I still fail to see six issues in why this book even exists because um, its ties to the line are very, very limited uh, and I'm honestly not sure why they even made this um, I've again, I don't particularly like this one I'm just reading this because I'm trying to read this entire line uh, this six issues in has not done that much to actually impress me in any way <laughs> so uh, let's go to, uh, Hellions 14 with, uh, written by Zeb Wells with art by, uh, I can't read that, Roger Antonio. Um, this picks up from the last issue where, uh, the Hellions go back to Erico and fight the Ten of Swords mutants again. Uh, a clone of Sinister like sets them up for a rematch of that, um, and that fight goes well for them, I suppose, and that they don't all die. Um, and they real and they decide to go back to Kakoa and confront Sinister for basically fucking them over. Um, quick to the point. Um, as I've said before, this book is starting to grow on me. Um, I at least have gotten familiar with these characters enough to actually kind of give a shit about some of them. I still don't think it's the best writing in the world, but it's it's passable enough. Um, and let's see, what do we want to hit next? Um, yeah... Let's go to... No, I haven't read that yet either. Um, I do have some stuff from the last couple weeks I still haven't read. Uh, been busy, obviously. Um, let's go to Iron Man 11. Written by Christopher Cantwell. I think the artist is different. I'm going to look that up. Uh, written by Cantwell with art by... Angel... Unzueta. Um, this continues the Korvac thing, but this is the little side digression where Tony's on another planet for, um, he got kind of pulled to some other planet where, like, there's this idyllic society, but they're being, and it's, like, people that were pulled off of Earth for various reasons, but they're being, um, regularly attacked by Ultimo robots, so he wants to uh, he wants to stop that, and then he finds out that, uh, 
Stiltman, who was the head of this colony, uh, had some ulterior motives, which I don't really want to get into all that much. I want to, I want to give you a reason to read this rather than me just telling you what the ending is. Um, so, uh, it's a good solid read. I kind of like, you know, some of the stuff with Iron Man can get kind of like overly techy and just a lot of tech blather, and this has some of that, but not a ton, and it's more about, you know, his desire to kind of slow down and just, like, be an engineer and fix shit all the time, and not necessarily have to deal with, like, World War fucking three every five minutes, um, and he's also on morphine, like, pretty heavily, um, which I'm sure they'll dive into given his addict history, um, so I'm sure they'll dive into that some. Uh, that stems from, you know, earlier in this run, he had a run in, a fight with Korvac and he got his neck broken. So he's pretty much in the armor full-time, because if he steps out of it, he's probably going to die. Um, so, uh, and at the end of this, uh, they, you know, the whole thing with Korvac continues. Um... I'm wondering if it's just going to be the first year of the book is going to be this. Um, but it's been pretty solid. Um, so I have no complaints. I like Cantwell as a writer. Um, I wasn't all that familiar with him before this, other than that Doctor Doom series he wrote that got cancelled way too quickly. Um, let us go to Moon Knight number two, written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Capuccio. Um, this is the next issue in that whole thing that Moon Knight's doing now with the Midnight Mission, where he's trying to um, help people that are being harassed by things that average people can't deal with. So he has somebody come to him and say they got beaten up by like a bunch of just random people, he figures out eventually that it's from this guy who has some sort of super... He's just, like, a janitor, and he has, like, some sort of superpower where, like, his... his it's kind of like the Purple Man, almost. Like, his... his I want to say it's, like, his sweat or something is able... He can, like, influence people through that. Um, so he's, like dosing the water supply of the apartment building that he works in so that he can, like, order... He can, like, order the people that live there around. And, uh... <laughs> Moon Knight deals with this in an interesting way. Rather than just beating the shit out of the guy, he, uh... allows himself to be exposed to the... the toxin and... and the... the gen evil janitor guy, like, goes into his brain and they mention that because his because Moon Knight's brain is different from a baseline human because he's had contact with, you know, whatever Khonshu is. They don't necessarily say it's, you know, they call it a god, but, I mean, you could infer that it's basically a, a some sort of alien or extra-dimensional being or whatever, but that his brain chemistry and actually the physical topography of his brain has been changed by this. And so he's not really affected by what this guy does. And, uh, he's able to just pretty much put him down from that. I do like the fact that this book is not running away from, uh, 
how psychologically damaged character Moon Knight is. Um, one of the previous runs that uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight kind of did that, but didn't go as far as it should have. I felt like that was mostly because they wanted to just have this image of, like, Moon Knight thinking he was Spider-Man, Captain America, and Wolverine. Uh, and it didn't really deal with the psychology of it to the level that I would have liked to have seen anyway. Um, but that's just me. Uh, not my preference, but uh, we're going to go out of Marvel and DC for a second and go to Radiant Black number 7, written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa. Um, this picks up from where the last issue left off, where all the different Radiants are being attacked by this other being that clearly wants to kill them. Um, uh, the black one, who is the main character of this book, uh, I think his name is Marshall, uh, he escapes all that combat with the, with the purple one, who apparently has the power to, like, create dimensional portals and just go wherever, um, and, uh, at one point, the two of them end up out in space in the middle of nowhere and just, they're like two feet away from this giant space war that's going on. Um, and then the other two, the yellow one and the red one, uh, come across the, uh, they end up in like Siberia and come across the bad guy after the big fight they had where he's apparently kind of been beaten and they're now looking at this going, okay, let's figure some of this shit out now. So I'm wondering if maybe the next one will be uh, the origin of this bad guy. And I mean, uh, they took a, a recent, I think, issue number five had the, the origin of the red one in it. So, I mean, they're going to... Uh, Higgins is going to make digressions with this every once in a while, and it's, so far it's worked. Because uh, this book is pretty fun. Uh... So, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not sure what Higgins' long-term plans for this book are, necessarily, um, but I'm quite enjoying it, uh, and, uh, I don't read a lot of stuff outside of the big two, really, but, um, Justin liked this one early on, and, uh, I have also enjoyed this. So, let's go to... Sinister War number three, written by uh, Nick Spencer and Ed Brisson, art by Mark Bagley, Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos. This picks up from last month, where, or last week, or I think this is kind of like a weekly thing, even, um, where Peter's been beat up by like multiple Sinister Sixes. He's in like a graveyard, and. Um, he thinks he's been saved because Black Cat and Wolverine and the Human Torch show up, but it's actually Mysterio uh, making members of that Sinister Six look different than what they were, and they just continue to beat the snot out of them. Um, Kindred has apparently brought the Sin Eater back from the dead, so aside from the um, Sinister Six and the Savage Six... Uh, 
and these other groups that basically just beat on this whole issue is basically Peter being beat on um, so I'm really wondering if they're going to go the Nightfall route with this uh, where at the end of Sinister War 4 he's going to be just completely incapacitated because we know it's been out there that obviously they're they're going to be handing this title over to Ben Riley. Uh, they're going to be handing Amazing Spider-Man over to Ben Riley. Um, so I wonder if the whole point of this is just to completely incapacitate Peter for the time being. Uh, this ends with, you know, with the Sin Eater back from the dead, and uh, he has put together his own Sinister Six-ish type team. It's like Sin Eater and the Juggernaut and the whirlwind, um, and there's somebody else up there that I can't tell who that is, and the gray gargoyle, and there's another, somebody else that I don't recognize, uh, so I think the next issue is just going to be more of Peter getting his ass beat, um, so we'll see how that goes, uh, curious that this is how they're gonna essentially end an era of this book with you know like I have no problem personally with going the Ben Riley route again I have always liked Ben and uh, never really wanted that to end in the first place so don't really object to that I'm just kind of surprised that they are uh, that they're doing this in such a way that it's just Peter getting absolutely massacred um I would and maybe Sinister War 4 will have like his big hero moment in it and stuff I just so far it's just been three issues of watching him get relentlessly pounded which is uh not that much fun um it's not a bad series it's just um and I think Amazing reg, the regular Amazing Spider-Man book might be a little bit behind right now cause I feel like that's supposed to be further along than it is um but we'll see uh, next up we will go to Way of X number 5 which is apparently now billed as a miniseries I did not know this uh, apparently this was this is the final issue of this I thought this was originally going to be an ongoing uh, maybe it was originally intended to be that but uh, a book about Nightcrawler trying to figure out mutant religion probably didn't sell that well, really. Um, and this whole thing is basically uh, an argument between Xavier and um, and Legion about you know why are they why are he and Kurt like trying to find some dark thing underneath the island that may or may not exist while. Kurt is also trying to fight fight Cor Fabian Cortez, who in the last issue had done some really shitty stuff, and um, Kurt wanted to uh, take him to account for that. Um, and then, uh, basically, this also plays into um, some of the stuff from Planet-Sized X-Men, where... Uh, the onslaught manifestation uh, that is kind of underneath all this uh, takes the um, one of the moons of, of I think Phobos is one of 
Mars' moons, maybe. I know I've heard the name before. Uh, forgive me that I'm not an astronomer, necessarily. So it's not occurring to me in this moment. Um, and it take, Onslaught takes Phobos and just slams it into Mars. Um, which might have, uh, might have wrecked the whole Erico terraforming thing. We'll see what, how that plays out. Obviously, all of these books in this line sort of bounce off each other, so maybe that'll play out somewhere else. Um, and at the end of this, you just kind of see the shadow of Onslaught over everything, and this will apparently continue in a one-shot called the Onslaught Revelation, which is probably coming out in the next month or so. Um, a little bit disappointed that this book is done, uh... I was actually really looking forward to figuring out what the long term on a book like this was. Um, clearly there isn't one. So, what do I know, I guess. Uh, let's go to uh, X Corp number four. Written by Teeny Howard with art by... Uh, that guy, uh, Fauché, is it Alberto? Uh, yeah, Alberto Fauché. Um, so let's, okay. So this is, uh, some stuff between Celine and Mastermind, who, uh, help the X-Corp people deal with the fact that, uh, one of these competing oh this noblesse pharmaceuticals who they're trying to compete against for the the stuff that their Cohen plant tech does uh sent in some corporate spies and Celine takes them down and uh and uh there's some arguing between Monet and Warren because uh Celine and Monet basically go to this noblesse company and buy it out. Um, so then uh, Warren gets pissed because he's like, you know, they vote, the the X-Corp board votes on this and they agree to do it. They agree to buy out this, this competitor and it turns out that uh, Monet and Celine have already done that regardless of what the vote says. So... Um, there's a fight scene between Monet and, and Angel, which is quite fun. Um, and then the book ends with, uh, it looks like some of the noblesse pharmaceuticals people breaking into uh, X-Corp's headquarters and shooting Madrox. So obviously this will continue. Let's jump over to The Trial of Magneto, number one, which is the start of their latest... I don't know if this is really an event, per se, but uh, it's their next big phase of this story. Uh, written by Leah Williams, with art by, I want to say, Justin Vernick. I'm going to look that up, though. Uh, Lucas Vernick. Never heard of him, but the art in here is pretty solid, so hats off to you, sir. Um, 
So this starts off with X-Factor doing a forensic investigation of the the scene of Wanda's death from the end of the Hellfire Gala. Um, they determine that uh, they have a pretty strong suspicion that Magneto has killed her, hence the idea of this trial. Um, Magneto goes to the Quiet Council and says, yeah, could we... Uh, resurrect her maybe uh, just because it would be better for our relations with everyone especially the Avengers in particular if we do that and uh, he gets voted down I think largely because uh, a lot of these mutants remember what she did after House of M and stuff so I don't think anybody's really dying to do that um, so he gets mad of course and uh makes a scene in public and um at which point you know and then there's stuff about like Vision finds out that she's dead or Xavier goes to the Avengers and tells them that she's dead which you know makes Vision very upset uh and then you cut to uh Wolverine and X-23 and Daken attacking Magneto to try to, like, bring him in for this. And there's a neat little bit where Deken basically guts him because Deken doesn't have any adamantium, so he can't really do that much about him, I guess. Um, so that was a neat little moment. And uh, uh, Polaris has a big fight with him, too, to try to bring him down. And uh, Pietro, Quicksilver shows up, and he's really mad, of course, given that his sister's now dead, and uh, he uh, takes serious issue with Magneto and beats the snot out of him. Um, so, uh, obviously there will be some sort of trial after that, hence the title of the book. Um, curious to see how that goes. I know they did something similar to this in the 80s, where he went on trial for, like, I want to say it was like threatening a Russian nuclear submarine or something. Uh, I read it back in the day, but I don't have no memory of it beyond that, really. And then uh, the last few pages of this intimate that perhaps Wanda is not actually dead, uh, which I kind of thought might be the case because I have a hard time believing they would kill her off at this point in terms of her popularity and stuff with the TV show and all that so that is a thing that they're doing um let's see it is late so I'm going to stop here for now and do more of the you know what I'm just going to release what I have here and then uh, the rest of the stuff I read I can do later in the week I'll put another one out uh, now that I give these specific dates rather than calling them week whatever uh, of whatever month uh, I'm just going to release a nice tight 35 minutes um, with you know 8 or 10 reviews in it of the stuff I've read recently I still have another probably 15 or 20 that I read the rest of the weekend but it's about 11.30 at night uh, yeah it's 11.30 at night I gotta get up in six hours for work. So, um, more to come later. Thanks.